In South Florida, the top representative of the government of the Bahamas is the Council General Linda Mackey. I met her on Friday afternoon, a grueling time for her and for her country. Consul General Mackey is able to spend a few minutes with us this morning. Consul General, it has been a week for you, we know, and we are so grateful that you are able to join us. Um, it is unfolding as we speak. Can you just briefly begin with giving us the update that you know this morning from the ground? Good morning, and firstly, I want to say thank you on behalf of the Bahamas government, our Prime Minister, Hubert Minnis, and for the media, for the awareness that you're bringing to the world, and for the exposure that you're giving us, and for the help that it is, it is aiding us for the great need and devastation. Right now, we are in recovery mode. Our list of needs have been, have been updated. I've, I've forwarded that to media, to media houses, yours included. So the needs are now changing. We're transitioning in from rescue to recovery and rebuild. So that's where we're at. So we're also evacuating persons from Abaco and from Grand Bahama due to the fact that there are places in both islands that are uninhabitable. So we have a lot of challenges to face in the next few weeks, the next few months, and of course, the next few years. That's where we're at. Yeah. Councilor General, it's Michael Putney. First, let me say on behalf of Local 10 and on behalf of, of South Florida, we send our condolences to you, to the Bahamas. You are not just our neighbors, you are our friends, and we feel and share what you're going through. So having said that, let me move on to a kind of a tougher question, and that is some of your own Bahamian folks out there in the Abacos and uh, uh, Grand Bahama are saying that the government response has been too slow. What do you say to anybody who thinks they have not been the response has been slow. I do think that when there's a crisis, that's always a complaint. We had challenges from day one. Firstly, when the hurricane moved from Abaco over to Grand Bahama, the hurricane was stationary for almost two full days. That impacted the weather also in Abaco, not allowing even the Coast Guards to enter the island of Abaco to bring aid, to rescue, and to assist. We have limited manpower, but those on the ground are also working really hard and diligently trying to get food and necessary um, supplies to all those who, who need help. Also, we've had a lot of help from external agencies, governments, and there's been a lot of help on the ground. Unfortunately, we're still trying to distribute goods to those who need it. And also remember, there are persons who are helping in this, in this, in this task, this humongous task to get food to those who need have uh, victims as well. They have families who, who, who are missing, they've lost loved ones, so they're working under enormous distress. So in, in light of that, I think, I think the, the efforts are going very well, and I think that we need to at least appreciate what they're doing. And for those of you who are on the sideways just complaining, offer your help, open your homes, and make yourself available. We are all Bahamians, we're all in this together. Let's work together. Consul General, you mentioned the, um, the effort is going from rescue to recovery. That is, that is really tough to hear. And we know from our experience in, after Maria in Puerto Rico, which is also an island that was so damaged that there are remote areas that the rescuers just have not been able to get to in the last week and time is just critical. 
do you have any sort of... Well, that's correct. Being a country of many islands, it's, there are challenges besides the yeah. devastation. Just being able to get through the debris, trying to get boats to, to the islands and keys that are not on the mainland of Abaco or Grand Bahama. So there are many challenges that we are facing and we are seeking assistance. We're getting assistance, but the recovery is always slow. It's never as we would like it to be. But, you know, with each new challenge, we have... We have, we have people on the ground trying to make the efforts as efficient as they can, as it can be. And we're just asking the, the, the people to be patient and to work with the government and to work with NEMA to make this effort go as smoothly as possible. Yeah. But well, there I are was, a lot of challenges. I, I was going to ask um, your expertise on there is Abaco from the video we've seen is just destroyed. Um, there are communities in Abaco, much like South Florida faces, where there are undocumented people in transit looking for better lives. Um, we understand who might not have heeded any call to go to any shelters because of fear that they would be deported. Have you heard anything from those communities, people who might still be missing or, or what their fate might have been? Okay, I missed your first part. The volume was not high enough. So if you don't mind just recapping. Yes, I was, I was asking about, much, much like South Florida, on Abaco, there are communities who, of people who are undocumented, who have arrived without papers, who are living in transit looking for better lives, and for that reason may not have gone to shelters when evacuations were underway, when they were told they needed to be in a safe place because they were afraid of deportation. Have, can you expand on that? Have you heard of those communities? Is, is somebody looking there? Can you explain that, please? I can, I can only imagine that there will be cases like that. People are always afraid in those circumstances. I do not have any numbers, so I cannot speak directly to that, but I am sure there are cases where that would have happened. And Consul General, the, um, the evacuations that you were talking about, what is the process? Where are people going? If there are, uh, our reporter, Christian De La Rosa, reported 70,000 people displaced. I know we've watched this uh, last night, a cruise ship came, come into South Florida to the port of uh, Palm Beach with a thousand or so people on it. Where are these people going? What are the needs there? People who are listening, what can we do to help, if anything? Okay, there are a lot of people who are trying to get out, and for good reason. Like I said, a lot of the islands are uninhabitable. Their, their homes are gone, their jobs are gone, and they're now facing a state of hopelessness and we know despair. For those who have families in other, in, in other islands, such as Nassau, Eleuthera, Abaco, no, sorry, not Abaco, other islands where they can go to for assistance, we're asking them to go there. The majority are coming to Nassau, and the U.S. has also now opened up its, 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 its doors to allow us to come as well, so we're working on that. So we're looking for facilities that can hold and house people. We're looking for families, wherever they are, to open up their homes and to invite their family members in. It's, it's, everything is fast moving, it's fluid, which is working each day to accommodate everybody. It's a process and we're trying to work through the process. But for the most part, they're going to the island of Nassau, New Providence. Council General Linda Mackey, we really appreciate your time this morning. We know you are under huge demands and uh, 
It means a lot to have you come and speak with us and to the people of South Florida. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to, I really want to thank the community in South Florida. They have been so generous. The government, the, the government agency, independent individuals, companies, this just been a, a, an outcry of assistance. And even with all the call centers, we have Miami-Dade and Broward who have both opened up call centers to assist us with the, because we're inundated with calls. So the support is here. We are just really grateful. Florida to us is home as well as our second home. So we are just so thankful and we want you to know we will be forever grateful. Council thank General, you. thank you. The connections are strong. We appreciate that. Thank you. Tourism is the lifeblood of the Bahamas, and it took a major hit in the northern islands there from Dorian. Airports flooded, damaged. Hotels in the Abacos and Grand Bahama are closed. The Minister of Tourism and Aviation in the Bahamas, Dionisio de Aguilar, is able to join us right now live from Nassau. Minister, good morning, and thank you for taking the time out of what is an unimaginable schedule for you at the moment to be with us. Uh, since you are the Minister of Tourism, I think it's important to open up with the fact that the Bahamas is very big and much of it is very open still to tourism. Uh, yes, and good morning to your viewers. Uh, you're absolutely right. The, uh, the, the, all of the islands of the Bahamas that were not affected uh, by the storm, namely Nassau, Exuma, Long Island, Andros, and so on down the chain of islands, is open for business. The analogy I like to, to draw is assume that you have a hurricane in Jacksonville, it wouldn't stop people from going on holiday to Miami and Fort Lauderdale. So the same thing has happened to the Bahamas. Obviously we are with our brothers and sisters in Abaco and, and Freeport and uh, we're, we're, we're traumatized by the events up there. But we have to keep the economy going. We have to keep uh, revenue coming into the country in order to us, in order to assist us or to help us in helping our brothers and sisters to the north. So we ask everybody who can, who has vacations planned to come to the Bahamas and con continue to visit with us. Nassau is where 80% of our foreign visitors come, largely unaffected. And as you go down the rest of the chain, um, we, we, are, we are ready and open for business. Yeah. Minister Diaguilar, good morning. My name is Michael Putney. I've spent many happy days in the Bahamas and I hope to again. Let me ask you though about aviation. That's part of your portfolio. Uh, a lot of pilots who have been trying to fly supplies into the islands have complained loudly, bitterly, that they cannot get permission from your government, uh, from air traffic control to get in the land. Uh, what are you doing about this kind of bottleneck that you've got with air traffic control there? Well, it, it's a function of airspace. And uh, if, you, if you imagine, just take yesterday on the island of Abaco, we had 640 flights go into that tiny island. The airspace is clogged and we're trying to manage it as best as we can. Um, uh, we have been very successful in getting a lot of supplies in and also we've been trying to evacuate people out. So there are a lot of people who want to come on their little private planes. We've put uh, 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 civil aviation employees on the ground in Treasure Key, Marsh Harbor, Sandy Point, to once people land, you got 20 minutes, offload your goods, get people on the plane, and get out of there so some other planes can come in there. We've been doing 
an enormous amount of flights and we've been approving an enormous amount of flights. So anybody who's having any problems, any problems whatsoever, they should contact us, uh, 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 the Civil Aviation Authority. We have a website and, and you should be approved right away. We have on there the phone numbers to call and we're trying to do the best that we can. But obviously you have to recognize everybody wants to get in and we have to manage it so we don't have another catastrophe. The Prime Minister, for example, was going up there, uh, I think yesterday, and he had to drop 500 feet very quickly because there was another plane heading right in his direction. Wow. So it's uncontrolled airspace. There's no towers. So it, 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 it does cause congestion problems, but I think we're working through it. I think the traffic has gone down considerably, so if people want to come, they can now. Minister, as a, a member of parliament or former member of parliament, uh, you have sort of a, a big picture on, on business and commerce with so many people left suddenly with nothing, including money and businesses just gone, obliterated. Speak, if you would, to the challenges in that respect. Well, you know, I, let, me, let me draw an analogy so that most Americans can understand this. Imagine a natural disaster hit your country and impact 60 million of your citizens, 20% of your population. This is the scale upon which we're dealing with. And are we a little overwhelmed at times? Absolutely. But there has been an outpouring of support, not only from residents from South Florida, but from countries around the world. People are here to help us, specifically the American government as well. They're all coming in to give us assistance, to try and help us to overcome this, this natural disaster of epic proportions. You've got people who are flooding out of those islands now, um, mostly Abaco who are coming to Nassau and other, the other surrounding islands who just need a break. They need a bath. They need a hot meal. They just need to know that they can sleep, have a good night's sleep. But I'm sure in the next couple of days, they'll wake up. Okay, where do I go to work? How do I start to earn a living? And that will bring compounding problems, which the government, of course, is trying to grapple with. Never in our history have we grappled with a natural disaster of this proportion. So I, I'm apologizing in advance if we don't get it right all the time, but we are generally trying as best as we can to work through all of these problems. First of all, to get people out who want to get out, get first responders in, start to think about the reconstruction and, and, and uh, 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 of, of, of the affected areas, getting power restored, uh, uh, getting infrastructure back in place so people can return back there and begin to resume with some level of normalcy. And it won't be normal for many, many years, but some level of normalcy get back on those islands and start to rebuild their lives. A good point on which to end. Minister Dionisio Diaguilar, we appreciate your time this morning. We wish you the very best. After Hurricane Dorian decimated the Bahamas, left thousands homeless, the first voice that we heard calling for a waiver of a U.S. visa requirement for storm victims was that of State Representative Chevron Jones. Representative Jones is a state representative from West Park in Broward. He was born in Hollywood, but his father is from Cricket Island in the Bahamas, and he still has family there. Uh, state Rep. Jones. Thank you for being here. And Thank you for having me. Absolutely. First and foremost, how is everyone? Everyone's doing well. Uh, my cousins and I, we are all on a group chat, so we speak very often with each other. So everyone's doing well. Yeah. Uh, you almost immediately after the storm went through mm -hmm. said the United States visa requirement needs to be eased, loosened, waived so that these thousands of Bahamians who have family here in right. South Florida or elsewhere in the U.S. can easily come here and immediately Senators Rubio 
and Scott joined that call. So yes. what's happened? Uh, Senator Rubio has been very helpful in that effort because I know for a fact that there are individuals who lost their documentation that sure. would have helped them get over here. Uh, and so having those visa requirements waived or suspended for the time being would be helpful to them because many of them do have relatives here uh, within the state of Florida. The first message I got was, was from, my, from my cousin who was sending me messages from individuals saying, listen, I lost my birth certificate, but I do have family who lives in Palm Beach or have mm -hmm. a family that lives in Jacksonville. Yeah, they need well, to get here. Well, when the, excuse me, when the grand celebration, this cruise ship that left, I guess, on Friday came back yes. early Saturday, there were 1,100 people on board, including nearly 900 Bahamians, and uh, Customs and Border Protection seems to have been very lenient when it came to them presenting documents. Is yes, that right? That's correct. And the individuals who were on that boat were individuals who were medically needed, who needed attention right now, seniors, children, and families, and those individuals who had documents on them. I want to sort of detail a little bit. I don't think a lot of people really understand what that process either is or is going to become because mm -hmm. Bahamian visitors don't need a visa to no. travel to, no. to Florida and right. the U.S., obviously. Right. So is it a length of stay? How, what is that process going to be from here on out? Is right. there anything in stone yet? There's nothing in stone yet. Uh, I spoke with Senator Rubio. Uh, They're still waiting to hear back from President Trump. Uh, the letter was sent to them. Um, as of right now, we are currently, from the, the legislative side, are working on a bipartisan joint letter to also push the envelope uh, to the president to see if uh, we can get this, uh, these waivers uh, suspended so individuals can come over here uh, with their families, the ones who are still over there. That's mm -hmm. different from temporary Absolutely. protected status, TPS, Absolutely. which is still in flux for so many other people from countries yeah. that are difficult to go back to. But Bahamians, as, as we're hearing, don't want TPS. They don't, we, love, we love the Bahamas. We love to stay home. <laughs> Bahamians love being with, where they are. But uh, Bahamians are in need of help right now, and they, they need someone to lay their head, and they have families here, or they have someone who would like to sponsor them that's here. Right. Uh, Sheb, on, on Thursday, I believe, you and State Representative Keone McGee mm -hmm. Uh, went to Freeport. Yes. Tell us about your trip. You were there to help deliver supplies, relief supplies. What did you see? What is your impression? My first impression, I, I cried when I first got off the, the plane because I'm familiar with Freeport and I know the spirit and the character mm -hmm. of the island. Uh, getting off the getting off the plane, the first thing we saw were individuals' cars that were lined on the street and they were waiting for crabs to cross so they can catch the crabs. Crabs? To eat. Yes. Wow. Yes, uh, to catch them, to eat them, to eat them. Yes, uh, we we saw that as we were going. As we were going, we went around the bend. We saw individuals sleeping in their cars, sweating uh, in need of water. Yeah. Uh, it was it, it was something that was very heartbreaking. Uh, and but I know for a fact that the the spirit of Bahamas still lies because as we were getting back on the plane, uh, there was a smile by Mr. Scavella uh, that he only thing he said was that the Lord will see us through it all. You know, you said something really interesting about rebuilding. People want to just go back, anxious to yes. rebuild. There's going to be a question with storms getting stronger and more frequent. Mm -hmm. People who live in the storm's path, and that is Abaco, just like it is Florida. Mm -hmm. it, is there a sense that rebuilding might take a very different look yeah. than what might be expected right now to rebuild what was there. Absolutely. I think it's a lesson learned. I think we look back at Andrew and Homestead. We learned our lesson mm -hmm. then, and we begin to change building codes and right. think how we did things. I believe the, Bah the Bahamas will 
start doing the same thing. I believe they will look to Florida and uh, to the, as far as to the states to to get our uh, advice on how do we do this because considering we're out there in the islands. What are building uh, codes like there? Did, are there those kind of building codes? It was to 150 yeah. miles yeah. per hour, Correct. wasn't it? Correct. It was. It was. Uh, but I, I think they now they, they will probably up have to have up and up and, and look at different ways and right. how these things can sustain it. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems to me, per just personal observation, um, that the the relationship between South Florida and the Bahamas is just so unbelievably oh, close. And the response that we have seen throughout South Florida with the relief supplies, this mm -hmm. outpouring of support and love mm -hmm. for the Bahamas and those who have been displaced and mm -hmm. have to, to evacuate, who mm -hmm. have been injured, uh, I, I just, I can't recall anything like it. No, the, the, Bahamian, the Bahamians have a saying that the blood run deep, mm -hmm. uh, saying that we're all connected, and so we're all helping each other, but outside of us all vacationing over in the Bahamas, the deep connection that you speak of, you know, Bahamians practically helped build South Florida. Well, my, my, the city my, of Miami. The city of Miami, yes, yeah. absolutely. My grandfather came over here in the 1940s, uh, helped build the railroad. Uh, that went all the way down to Homestead. And my dad tells that story uh, very well and how they put the house in Carver Ranches. Carver Ranches, which is now West Park, right. which is has a huge Bahamian population yeah. uh, because that's where they settled. And in Coconut Grove, and of Coconut course, Grove it's also, famous yeah. for its Bahamian shotgun cottages. Yes. Yeah, they're yes. Now, now South Florida Bahamas. will be uh, returning the favor and helping the Bahamas As we rebuild. should, yeah. as we should. Right. Representative, Representative Jones. Jones. Great to have you. Great Thanks to so have much you. for being here. Good luck to your family. Thank you.